Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. When I, um, I think when I was 22, um, so 18 years ago, then I saw a TV show and there was a memory trainer, memory coach. And I found out that there are competitions about memory. And back then I was... 23, 22, and I was really competitive. And I was playing table tennis in a club when I was a teenager, but I couldn't do that anymore because of the disease. So um, that gave me somehow, suddenly, out of out of the blue, the opportunity to compete with others in uh, such a competition without having my limitations, my physical limitations, hindering me of that. And then I somehow uh, more and more become addicted to um, getting better there. And this was exactly the uh, opposite of my physical ability because that decreased at this time. And I was so depressed and frustrated by that. And on the other hand, I had something to, to train for, which I could do on a world-class level. And yeah, I think that gave me the extra power and the extra motivation to keep it up and uh, do more for that and travel around the world to try to chase the world championship title. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Johannes, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you very much for inviting me here and I'm looking forward to that. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So I heard about your story because you wrote in and I found out you are a memory champion. And the entire concept of memory uh, in a world in which we have, you know, have externalized damn near everything is fascinating to me uh, and the benefits of it. But before we get into all of that, uh, I wanted to start by asking you, what did your parents do for work and <laughs> how did that end up shaping, uh, where you've ended up with your life and what you've done? Hmm. Okay. So when I was a kid, my parents both have been self-employed, so they did their own stuff in the first place. Um, my mother was a, a teacher for religion at school, but then I think it, when I was 10, hmm. she, uh, stopped that and made up their own eBay business. eBay was back then was very small or not, not that grow uh, big like it is today. So she sold uh, stuff for others. So other came to my mother and gave them, gave her anything they want to uh, sell. 
And back then in the 2090s, late 90s, not so many mm -hmm. people people were familiar with the internet. So uh, that's what she did. So she had for like 10 or 15 years this shop, uh, people bringing her their stuff and she was selling it. And my father was, um, he, is, he passed away 12 years ago um, and he was also self-employed building furniture and re reconstructing. I'm not sure that's the word. I'm searching a bit for the word here. So if you have old furniture, then you try to make it look good again. How do you call that? Restoration. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, so that's what he was doing. Yeah. How did that, I mean, how did that influence the choices that you ended up making? Hmm. I think when I think about that today, mm -hmm. uh, the main thing is that I was never really fitting into the normal, I, I mean, eight to six job or something like that. It was always that I tried to do something different, do my own thing. Um, and I wasn't really never mm. seeing myself in an office nine to five. That's, I think that's the right one. Um, I was uh, always thinking about doing something different and doing my, my own stuff, my own, follow my own dreams. Um, yeah, that's, I think that was the deepest impact what this situation had on me. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I wonder is, uh, you're a German descent. What is the cultural narrative around work and careers, particularly when it comes to self-employment and, you know, choosing to, you know, follow an unconventional path in the German culture? Hmm. I think nowadays it changed, uh, changed a bit. I think it's more normal that you also be self-employed. Um, but back then, um, because I was born in the East part of Germany, so the, um, Deutsche Demokratische Republik. Um, and I was grown up there for 10 years and my parents, it was normal to have, um, yeah, to, to have a normal day, daily job. But then when the nineties came and the wall came down, um, I think everyone wanted to be like, yeah, getting something from the big cake, um, and trying to, yeah, make, your luck somehow. I'm not sure if that uh, explains it in a good way, but yeah. 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 So I, I wonder what is having something like a, a, you know, wall fall down uh, do for the entire sort of conscience of a, or conscious of a culture? Like how does it change the belief systems and values of people? It depends on which side you are. Um, so yeah. if you have been on the um, West side, um, it's uh, it was definitely different because people, it's still there. I mean, it's almost 30 years ago, but people still call themselves or others, this guy is from the West and this guy is from the East. And so the West people might have seen us more as um, they help us right now and they try to uh, in, integrate us here somehow. And we were like, wow, this is the land of glory. And now everything opens up and this is so nice and so cool. So this is really depends on uh, where, where are you from? And, over time, um, people from the East um, discovered that not everything is uh, super nice over there and it brings so much new problems with it. Uh, with it. So, yeah, this is, uh, is a really interesting experience to also talk with people who have been adults back then already um, because mm. I feel it still influences our values and everything nowadays. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I remember asking my friend Mars Dorian, who uh, also is as German. He's the one who does all, a lot of our artwork and a lot of the design and you kind of shape the visual voice of unmistakable creative. And when I got into it with him, I said, I finally understand something that's implicit in your work that I never saw before. <laughs> There's a blatant disregard or blatant sort of fuck you to authority in everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Like all his work screams with a sort of disdain for authority. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, but since my uh, parents were, um, and my mother, my mother was, as I mentioned, she was in the church and being a teacher for religion, and my father was self-employed, and there was not something normal in the in the east part of Germany, and I was only the, uh, the only one in my class. I was, I think, in the second class at school, the only one who was not a pioneer. A pioneer was um, everyone in the class was in that. Let's call it a club, um, wearing a blue shirt and everyone was in there and it was normal to be there. And I was the only one not being there. And uh, this youth club, I call it like that right now because I have no other words for that, was supposed to be the start to be a good uh, citizen of the East part. So, and I wasn't. So I was always a bit on a different track here. Uh, with the authorities and uh, yeah that is i think that really uh made something with my life and yeah so one thing uh and i, I don't know the, the i didn't think you actually mentioned this in the original email you sent i only found out from your website is that you're in a wheelchair um how did that happen yeah i'm uh, using electric mm-hmm. wheelchair it's i i rather like to phrase it like that because of course in uh, during night i'm not in my wheelchair but uh, that's a different story so um, I have a, a muscle disease, which um, is there when I was, it well, has been already there when I was born, but it was not visible back then. So I grow, grow up until I was 10 um, without any bigger symptoms. But then when I turned 10, 12, 14, the symptoms were, yeah, were more and more visible. So I um, started to fall down to the floor because my I, I my my one leg was getting thinner and thinner and uh, then in my early 20s it became really really more difficult um to get upstairs to walk longer distances and um, um and back in when i was 15 i was to the hospital a couple of times and they made a um test for some disease and it took a, quite a while to do this kind of dna test back then so, and then they discovered, okay, that's a uh, very rare um, muscle dystrophy uh, called FSHD. And um, then, yeah, and I was like, okay, I don't want to do something about it because I'm right now 17 and I want to go to a bar and uh, or to a, a disco or whatever. And um, yeah, and then my early uh, 20s, I wasn't um, able to uh, ignore that anymore. So I had to start... Um, confronting myself with the situation and when uh, i think 10 years ago when i would turn 30 i it was so bad that i needed uh, to start using a wheelchair it always was like i don't want to do that i want to avoid the, avoid that but in the end this taking this wheelchair gave me so much more freedom because i wasn't able to walk uh, in a somehow safe way down the street i was always looking at my feet and trying to not fall down um, so this wheelchair nowadays is the key to 
my freedom to the key to travel, to visit people, to visit the city, everything. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, you know, I, I don't think anybody who is listening to this who's not in a wheelchair would basically view something like a wheelchair as the key to their freedom. And you you have a limitation that is, you know, or perceived limitation is far greater than you have an actual physical limitation that is greater than the perceived limitations that a lot of people have. How do they shift that mindset? 
for me, um, do you mean how the, the, the situation that I am not that, uh, maybe you can rephrase that again for me, please. Yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me elaborate. So you, you're in, most people would not, you know, phrase being in a wheelchair as the mm -hmm. key to their freedom. They would see that as this massive limitation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the reality is physically it is. Um, but a lot of people have perceived limitations that are all in their heads mm -hmm. that actually trap them more than you've been trapped by being in a wheelchair. Like you say, you know, a wheelchair has been the key to your freedom, whereas some people use these perceived limitations and they basically say that's the the thing that's in the way of their freedom. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I get that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, I also was facing this, um, uh, limitations in my head when I was not really, uh, fine with the situation. And that has been for 10 years. So I needed like 10, 15 years to, overcome uh, depressions and everything what comes with that came with this disease and these were another kind of limitations depression is a limitation in your life and uh, so yeah I, I had to overcome also these kind of limitations and nowadays i feel that people um sometimes yeah i mean when i talk to people i always try to um, not say okay you your limitation is not like mine so mine is bigger because i don't feel that is the case the limitation for everyone has the same impact maybe if you can't go to uh, a coffee bar if because you are afraid of people then this limitation is even higher and more difficult than mine um and i have uh, the luck maybe uh, that i can have this wheelchair which uh, helps me overcome these limitations but being afraid of heights or being afraid of people's so social environment or social um, uh, so social meetings or whatever it is or talk in front of an audience, this is way more difficult because you can't just take a wheelchair or any uh, device to overcome that. You really have to shift something in your head. And shifting something or changing something about your mindset might be even more difficult than taking a wheelchair. But, of course, taking the wheelchair needs a shift in your mindset because otherwise you, I would have never t uh, taken that because I was, I was trying to avoid that, uh, with all my heart, but, uh, in the end it was the right choice. Mm. So how in the world does somebody go from, you know, doing what you're doing? How do you become a memory champion? Like why of all things did you decide to study that? Yeah, it's, uh, really related also to the situation. And when I, um, I think when I was 22, um, so 18 years ago, then I saw a TV show and there was a memory trainer, memory coach. And, uh, that, uh, that guy coached someone else, a celebrity to memorize like 20 words. And she was known to be a little bit dumb. That was her image. And, um, she did it. So I thought, okay, maybe I can do that too. If she can do it, I can do it. And then I, um, yeah, did some research in the internet and then I found information about everything. And I found out that there are competitions about memory. And back then I was, um, yeah, it, 23, 22. And I was really competitive all, all in my life. Um, and I was playing table tennis in a club when I was a teenager, but I couldn't do that anymore because of the disease. So, um, that gave me somehow suddenly out of, out of the blue, the opportunity to compete with others in, uh, such a competition without having my limitations, my physical limitations hindering me of that. And then I went to a competition. It was the original one, a small one. And 
yeah, I did a good job there and finished third. And then I somehow uh, more and more become addicted to um, getting better there. And this was, I think that was exactly the uh, opposite of my physical ability because that decreased at this time. And I was so depressed and frustrated by that. And on the other hand, I had something to, um, yeah, to, um, to train for, which I could do on a world-class level. And that was, um, yeah, I think that gave me the extra power and the extra motivation to keep it up and uh, do more for that and travel around the world to try to chase the world championship title. Mm, wow. So uh, let's, uh, before we talk specifically about tactical things, um, one of the things I wonder is about the value of memory in a world where almost every, you know, thing we need to know is externalized. Um, you know, every fact is available via Google. I mean, most of us probably couldn't tell you the phone numbers of our closest mm -hmm. friends. I have teammates that I work with. I don't know their phone numbers by memory. I've had people that I live, like I have a roommate. I, if you asked me one of my roommates phone numbers, I know one of them only because I use it for, uh, my discount card at Safeway, but that's the only reason I remember it. Um, why is that? Like, what is the value of memory in uh, a world like this? And then, um, why do certain memories really stick? Like I have vivid memories about utterly pointless and useless details from early parts of my life. Like one of my friends said, he's like, you know, you remember the most strange and obscure things about the stories we tell you. Um, yeah, good question. So first, first uh, question, why is memory important at all today when we have smartphones and, uh, storage to store all the information around us? And I think there are different aspects about that. So, one aspect, of course, telephone numbers is, it's totally fine to store them in your smartphone. And, uh, I would always recommend at least knowing one phone number uh, just in case. Um, but, um, the uh, more important things are, for example, if you look at something up in the internet and try to find out uh, new information about something, um, then it's good to have a background memory on that specific topic or on related topics because Otherwise, you can't put uh, new information into any context. If you don't know anything, yet, let's say it's like that, you don't know anything because you memorize nothing and you have nothing in your memory, how can you put new information into context? And that's, uh, that's a pretty um, important thing because in times of fake news and everything, um, you need to have a basic and good knowledge about stuff to to know what the new information information means to you. Is it true or can it be true? So I think that's one important thing. And of course, uh, memory in general for us as humans is, um, memory is what makes us. Um, and that's because you are that person you are today because of your memory. So um, memory is a part of your personality or that memory forms your personality. And uh, the other thing that you have so vivid memories of some strange, um, uh, strange events in your life, maybe um, that that might be because these events have been very emotional or somehow special to you, to your personality, to your life. And of course, these things are the things we remember best, and uh, and that's a good thing because um, if we would forget, okay, the birth of your first baby or I don't know your wedding and everything, so what would life be then for you and uh, so emotions uh, are so important for our memory and emotional things uh, emotional stuff sticks way better into our memory than other stuff 
Mm-hmm. Well, so there's one other thing that I, I'm curious about. This is something I keep coming across in you know one neuroscience book after another is this idea that uh, memory also tends to be wildly inaccurate. When we um, look at it, we have you know distorted views. I remember it was in the Bullet Journal uh, that writer Carol wrote about this, and this was one of my favorite parts of the Bullet Journal. He talked about this guy who had been dating this girl. And, um, you know, she suddenly broke up with him and initially he was disappointed, but he went back and he looked at all the things that he had written about her and it turned out that he was actually, uh, not that disappointed because it turned out he was dealing with somebody who wasn't that nice to him, but had he not made a point to capture all that information, he would have had a distorted, uh, perception of that whole situation. So why is it that our memories get distorted over time? I'm not a neuroscientist here, but, um, I know that. From myself and especially for example when you look back to your childhood some memories are not really your memories they are rather some um, because of some pictures in uh in a photo book or anything like that and i think the reason my my interpretation is that the reason for that is that you if you if something happens to you um or yeah like an accident or a- anything can be anything it's not just the objective thing what's going to happen there, but it's how you experience it and how what you make out of that in the moment when it happens. And I think if two people um, experience the same event, then still their stories would be different because they have a different perception of details, maybe. Maybe one of them uh, smells something here and the other one is more visual guy and uh, sees some, something more and then based on these preferences they have and based on these things they perceived in a in their subjective way um they made up their memory and after and over time it's it's like this old game when you whisper something in the ear to your next neighbor and this guy is whispering some the same thing uh, in the next neighbor's near and so on ear and so on and in the end you have a totally different uh, story um so it's about how you um, how you experience a situation and then and you tell the story again and again and again and it changes over time just a tiny bit but after years it might have changed a lot so i think that's uh, one reason here yeah absolutely well let's get into the the sort of tactical aspects of this and, and you know talk about how we can apply it to our lives i mean so the, the funny thing is i been spending a lot of time really kind of understanding how do you manage knowledge? I mean, particularly because I, you know, interview so many people and, uh, you know, read so many books. And of course, remembering all of that has been something of vital importance to me. So let, let's just take the example of you and I having this conversation. People are listening to this and podcasts are notorious for being difficult to take notes on because people are usually on the go. So if people wanted to remember the ideas that you talked about in this interview, um, which I guess is really a meta Let's how what is a framework for doing that? Yeah, I think um this is this really relates to some uh to some to some uh, problems people sometimes um face when they came to me and trying to learn something about memory training. Um and this is not just uh, this situation but also for example if you're in a les- lesson in the university or wherever and I think it's good to have and I'm yeah, I know it's good to have a basic tool set what you always have with you. And if you have that tool set, it's very easy to adapt that to uh, to a specific situation. Like right now, someone wants to have some key points out of this conversation memorized. And if this person would have that tool set, 
which is, for example, the memory palace method, um, then this person could easily memorize some um, keywords here. And based on this key, these keywords, he could, he or she could uh, then, um, yeah, get back to the topic and maybe uh, make something out of it. So there are specific methods, which I call the tool set and the toolbox. And these, this, for example, one thing is here, what comes up to my mind is the memory palace. And that's, uh, in this case, the most powerful method, I would say. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mm-hmm. Well, can we walk specifically through it? Like, let, let's go into a couple of different methods. I'm familiar sure. with memory palaces, but uh, people who are listening may not be. Yeah. So, uh, the memory palace, palace method is oh, already more than 2000 years old. And, uh, so the old, the ancient Greeks used it to, um, to give free speeches and memorize their speech uh, beforehand. And it's about creating, uh, a journey and through your, 
very well-known environment. So let's say you take your apartment as your memory palace. So it's not about a real palace, except you're the queen of England. or, uh, But for others, it's just your apartment. And um, then you would um, make up a specific journey, a spe specific route through your apartment. Let's say the front door is location number one. And then you enter your apartment and then maybe something comes to the left. So what could that be? Maybe a chair. So the chair would be number two. Then you um, continue walking along the wall and then there might be a big board, a big board, some, something, a shoe board, for example, number three. And then you continue going through your whole apartment, um, grabbing all these points. So door, chair, Board, then let's say you go into the bathroom, there's a washing machine, the, uh, the water basin, the shower, and so on. So in the end, you might have like 30 locations. If you live big like the queen, then you have maybe 300. And these can be used to memorize new information. So this is something you have already set up. And so if now you have to memorize, let's say, uh, let's do the easiest thing first, a shopping list, um, then you would connect the items of the shopping list to the different locations. So for example, you have sh chocolate on your shopping list, then you would connect that shop, uh, that chocolate with your front door because that was the first location. And you try to make a, a crazy story out of that. Must, that doesn't have to be crazy, but it has to be very visual. And uh, then like, for example, you, you could imagine you going through your front door, but it's made out of chocolate. And maybe you forgot your key, but luckily it's out of chocolate. So you can uh, you know, bite your way through the door. And then you might uh, buy some apple juice and you um, approach the chair, which would be the next location. And you imagine yourself yeah, spitting some apple juice on the chair and, and so on. So you connect the different items to the different locations. And that's not just working for a shopping list. That's also working for abstract concepts and ex ex actually for all words. And uh, this is well working so nicely and well that everyone who experienced that for the first time, even if they say, oh, I don't think that's something for me, actually everyone is like, wow, I was able to memorize like these 20 items without any problems. That's strange. And that's the feeling you get if you do that for the first time. So memory practice method means, uh, yeah, create a journey through your apartment and connect um, keywords or items to the different locations in your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's funny because I was able to do that. Uh, I remember when we first moved to Boulder, I had, uh, you know, uh, this, I could just remember the names of every single waiter at a restaurant. My friend's like, how do I, how do you do that? And I was like, well, each person here basically has some fact about them, right? Like this guy is named Nate. So he works at night. That girl's named Allison. She works at, you know, she's from Austin. Um, so, uh, you know, th th I'm curious about the other methods. But one thing I wonder about memory is the role that it plays in education, because one of the issues is rote memorization is not the same thing as learning. Uh, you know, I learned this the hard way where you know, in high school, you get good grades because you can memorize things. In college, that's kind of useless unless you can take what you've learned and apply it in original context. Like you could know, you know, formulas for, uh, you know, some sort of economics exam. But then when it's presented in another context, if you just memorized a formula, it's of very little use. Yeah, that's uh, a fair point here. And it's, yeah, when I, when I teach people, it's 
I always tell them it's about understanding the topic first. So it, it doesn't make any sense to just learn it. I mean, you can for a test, but it makes sense to understand what's going on there. So let's say you um, read a chapter in a book and you the first thing is understand what's in the chapter, understand the context and the content. And uh, if you have done that, then I um, my suggestion is to make keywords and keynotes for um, yeah, for every paragraph, like you would have to give a speech about it. So, and then you might end up with like, let's say 20 keywords here. And these keywords, you can memorize them. You have understood it, but even if you understand a method, it doesn't mean that you, um, still know every single step in that method. Maybe you have to memorize these steps. And this is where memory techniques come into play. So you read something, you understand it, but anyway, memorizing some key points here might help you later to get back uh, the understanding if you need it. So, um, and that's the point where memory techniques come into play, as I said. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about a few other memory techniques. You know, I, I know there are things that you can do to, you know, memorize a, a list, a deck of cards, which is a cool party trick. But um, Cal Newport says that it's more than a party trick. It's actually a really good way to stretch your cognitive capacity. Yeah. So, um, other memory techniques. I mean, the memory palace technique is the basic stuff for everything, I would say. But the, in general, it's all about creating an image, a visual vivid image or a story, um, out of the information you want to memorize. And that, that's what I do for cards, for numbers, for words, but also for names and faces, like you explained with Nate working at night. So that's a, that's a short story. You, you, you turn that information, Nate, into an image, the night, and uh, that helps you remembering that. So it's all about ter uh, turning information into vivid images and stories. And uh, this cards memorization, of course, it's a party trick in the end. But if you are, it's like, mm, like physical sports. If you are able to memorize a card deck of cards in, let's say, five minutes, um, then you are capable of memorizing the paragraphs of a book because you know how to do it. So memorizing a deck of cards is, if you, it's, it's, uh, it teaches you the basic stuff. It teaches you the memory palace method. It teaches you how to create cards out of uh, images out of cards. And if you train that, then you will be able to use the techniques for real life stuff. So. That's what I always say. Go with the, memorize just a list of words every morning, 20 words. But if you're capable of that, and if you are familiar with how to do it, you can adapt it to your real life stuff. So basic uh, sport is memory sports for me, like jogging every day, like going to the gym every day to do something for your body with some memory training, memorizing a deck of cards or numbers or whatever is your daily uh, mental training. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I I need some clarification on the deck of cards because when, when I read it in Cal's book, I was kind of confused. So I assume that you don't shuffle the deck, right? Uh, you shuffled it, of course. Okay. So <laughs> let, let me. Yeah. Okay. So you shuffle the deck, and then what? You basically yeah. you know deal them all out one at a time, and then do you reshuffle it, or because then the cards are all out of order at that point? <laughs> so you mean how? Okay. The the. It works like that. The, so you, well, so you, explain the mechanics to me, like because yeah, yeah, sure. I've been trying to. I wanted to try this, but I felt like I wasn't doing it right. Okay, so 
the um, this is a discipline in the World Championship in other memory championships. You get a deck of cards with 52 cards, and this is shuffled. You don't know the order of the cards, and then you have time uh, as much as you want, maximum five minutes, to memorize this specific order which is presented to you of the cards. You can take it in your hands and go through all the cards, and then you're done. Then you put it away. And then you get a second deck of cards, which is in the normal order, how you want it. And you take, you put this second deck of cards in the order you just memorized. So in the end, you have two deck of cards, which are the same uh, in, in terms of the order of the cards. And that's it. And the, the world record right now in doing that, memorizing, just the memorizing part is uh, around 13 seconds. And that's an unbelievable, unbelievable fast. Um, But I think with techniques and uh, and a bit of training, everyone or most of the people out there would be able to do that in five minutes, memorizing a whole deck of 52 playing cards. It's just technique, and that's uh, possible for almost everyone. Yeah. Well, talk to me about what actually goes on in a memory competition. Like, what are these events like? Like, how does what's the structure of it? You know, what what takes place, and what are the people who come to these things like? Yeah, so um, the structure is, yeah, as, as I explained, the cards, for example, this is one discipline, exactly how I, I explained it, but there are others. So usually you have 10 disciplines, like, memorizing a deck of cards is just one. You have numbers, memorizing numbers in five minutes, as many as you can, or words or names. And uh, so we have 10 disciplines. And usually it looks like that, like a big exam, like in school. So everyone is sit, everyone is sitting at their table, and getting the sheet of paper. Yeah, we are still working with sheet of paper even in this uh, digital age here. So you get a sheet of paper and uh, there is a list of numbers and you have five minutes, for example, or maybe also one hour in the World Championship. You have one hour to memorize as many digits as you can in the correct specific order. So it's, uh, that's very important. And after one hour, the, the sheet of papers are taken away from you. And then you get another one and uh, you have two hours to write everything down, what you still mem remember. And um, and the scoring is very tough. You have to have the right order. If you have um, if you have um, gaps or uh, other mistakes, then you really get high penal penalties. So and then you get a score points for your results. So let's say you memorize like 2000 digits in an hour. You get a specific points for that. And in the end, after 10 disciplines, has been done. They the all the points have been added up, and then the winner is the one with the highest overall score. And uh, yeah, the, to the second question, what people are taking part here? Actually, everyone. Um, I have seen students. I have seen uh, people in from normal day daytime jobs, but also people in academics. But I think what they all have in common is um, that they like these kind of brain puzzles. So um, if you play Zodoku games or anything like that, you're more likely, I think, to join a memory competition than uh, if you're not into anything of that. And yeah, people's ages also vary. We have kids, we have, uh, we have adults, we have older pe people, older than 60. And um, yeah, that's it's really a mixture of ages, people, And yeah, stories, life stories. So one that actually is a question about age. 
what uh, what is the impact of, of aging on memory? Like, what do you see in these memory competitions in terms of memory capacity based on age? Uh, does it decline? Because I think common, you know, conventional wisdom is that as you get older, your memory goes to shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because the group of people is still very small who do that. So we have a couple of thousand people around the world. So it's not very, uh, there are not very many. And so when I look back, um, when I started, there have been people around, they are not around anymore today. Um, they're still alive, but they don't compete anymore. So, um, and it's hard to say, I mean, um, if they're really the memory declined here and get worse, or if it's just the motive, lack of motivation, they don't want to do it anymore. Um, and I can't see such an effect on myself so far. I'm 40 right now, just turned 40 last year. And I'm also thinking about that because actually I'm right now one of the oldest in the top, in the top 10, I'm, or in the top 20 in the world. I'm uh, the second oldest competitor. I was 40 years. And, um, I'm wondering why that is. Maybe it's just because the younger people have more time to train. And, uh, um, but I don't see any, mm, yeah, decline for me right now. And uh, I'm really looking forward somehow to see how that works in a couple of years. Now, hopefully I can stick to uh, my performance. But I, what I see is that younger people improve way faster than I uh, can do today. And uh, mm. yeah, but everything else is just uh, not written yet. So... One other thing I wonder is how, how has this changed other areas of your life? Like what's been the ripple effect into other areas of life? How do you apply it day to day in practical ways? Yeah. So um, you can uh, apply these techniques to like, let's say, let's start with the easiest when people uh, face this problem that they can't memorize names and faces. And uh, for example, I had a client who uh, wanted to memorize all his employees in his company because he wanted to have a better connection. So together we memorized all his employees by photo and information about these people. And uh, especially in social life, it's great when you memorize names easier and when you remember them, because it's always weird if you meet someone and uh, you try to somehow go around naming this name because you don't know it anymore. So social events, uh, names memorizing is uh, very helpful. But also if you go to, for example, for an important job interview or a situation where you might be very nervous and you want to bring up certain points you want to talk about, let's say in that job interview, like 10 points you really want to show that you know them, um, then just memorize them with memory techniques. And uh, this will these will also work when you're more nervous. So um, you can show, I know that because I memorized these points. So, um, or you give a speech, um, you want to talk without any notes. It's way more um, interesting or way more impressive if you do that without notes. I'm always confused when politicians uh, just take a look on their notes always because I think, why not memorizing it? Or even learning another language, um, memorizing vocabulary, for example, can be also very well done with memory techniques. So the applications are quite quite huge you're quite big and that depends a bit on what you want to learn and uh, where you want to go yeah so we've talked about that what about you know I, I get it on a general level but what about you personally like what ways has uh this ability changed your life i mean for me um it's other than winning a memory championship yeah of course i mean 
it changed my life in any in every way. Um, this is special for me, especially for me because of this uh, muscle disease. This memory competitions gave me the confidence, gave me a motivation, and in the end motivated me to take the wheelchair finally because otherwise I couldn't go to the competition and I couldn't win the world championship if I wouldn't have a had a wheelchair. So I needed to make a decision here. Either I stay at home uh, and I'm afraid of going out and falling down to the floor or I take the wheelchair and I decided to take that one. So, but that's just one part. And the the other part is that I'm, yeah, I'm living on it right now. I'm uh, making a living out of memory. So um helping people, improving their memory, helping people with difficulties. And uh, my whole life actually changed. I don't think that will happen for everyone out there, but what you will see definitely if you start that, that some things are easier, just as I mentioned, like vocabulary, names and faces and so on. And uh, what also came to me is that um, my creativity level increased because um, you always try to create visual stories, vivid stories somehow. And uh, you make connections and you see connections where someone else wouldn't see them because you are trained to make connections and trained to make also a bit strange connections and crazy connections. And that helps you with your creativity level. Um, when it comes, for example, to brainstorming, um, it seems sometimes that it's so easy for me to see connections to different topics, different fields that others might not see. And uh, yeah, the, it's just impacting my whole life, to be honest. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, so I think that you, most people wouldn't you know, necessarily say, you know, one of the skills I want to develop right now or, you know, things I want to do is, is improve my memory, um, you know, as a sort of starting point. It's not sort of, hey, on my list of projects for this year is to have a better memory and learn how to memorize, you know, long lists of facts or, you know, card decks. Um, how, do, how do you recommend people start this in a way that is sustainable and, and, you know, actually going to lead to something useful for them? Yeah, I would say start... Um starts easy uh, with yeah, some exercises. Like I mentioned, this uh, create a journey through your apartment with 30 locations or 20 or 10 and uh, try to memorize 20 words. And uh, the reason for that is you need, as I said, you need to experience that. You need to see, oh, wow, that works. And then um, usually it's like that then that you see, oh, wow, I could, I was able to memorize these 20 words was out any problems. And usually I just forget three things. And with that comes the, um, yeah, you will get an idea and you will get for your own. Okay. I can use it maybe there and maybe there. So it's, it's something you need to experience first. And I would say go with that, um, easy strategy first, try it, give it a trial and uh, then see where it goes. And, um, and if you have a specific topic, like learning for your exam or studies, or want to memorize something specific, then of course it helps. But uh, I would recommend just test it because it's a, a ability which we all have, but never, almost never, no one is using it, which is a shame. It's like, it's like what people would uh, not walk, but crawl on the floor for me. It's like people around me just crawling on the floor and I say, please stand up. It's so easy. Stand up and then try that. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I keep on crawling because I don't want to stand up. Yeah, maybe it's not yeah. the best uh, uh, comparison here, but it's like that. Yeah. Hmm. 
Um, you mentioned you know one client coming to you for the challenge of wanting to remember all of his uh, you, know, you know names of his employees. What are the other challenges that people you know come to you for in terms of of you know using this skill? Um, actually, everything. Uh, recently, I got someone who wanted to uh, learn some for for special learn some special dance, and there are some steps, and in he has to memorize in the right order. Uh, that was uh, very interesting. Um, but of course, basically daily stuff like um, memorizing and just having a better memory for daily stuff, like not forgetting um, birth dates or not forgetting your car keys where memory techniques maybe not help that much, but it's everyone has something, uh, not everyone, but many people, uh, everyone who comes to me has something specific um, to that. They want to learn like languages, like giving speeches, names and faces, and so on. So yeah, as there are a lot of different things uh, which people um, bring to me. Amazing. Uh, well, I have one final question for you, which you probably heard me ask before. Uh, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I think um, it's your own purpose for your own life, maybe, um, and finding out what is unmistakable from your from yourself maybe defines your goals and it defines your motivation. And if you're maybe struggling with something, try to find out what is unmistakable about you because something is out there. Something is unmistakable about you. And yeah, working, building on that, uh, that might help you. I don't think that answers your question, but I tried my very best. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us. This has been really fascinating. Um, where can people find out more about you, your work, and everything you're up to? Yeah, so, of course, um, just go to the internet and uh, type in my name, uh, johannes-mello.com. But also, there's uh, recently a memory competition going on on Twitch. Memory Sports TV is my channel there. There's a world championship going on, and I'm doing daily commentary uh, a lot of work here. So yeah, these two, I think I would recommend. Alrighty. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.